there, Charlie O'Shields here, back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. During the month of August, I'll be hosting a Doodle Wash Art Challenge that I call Travel Fun. So in honor of that, this episode is all about travel. Well, it's about the idea of travel, at least, since many of you know I have a knack for drifting off topic. But I adore travel of all kinds, and it's always fun to visit new and interesting places. I used to travel much more for work and pleasure, but these days I travel in my mind more of the time, simply imagining places I might like to go next. The best part about sketching stuff each and every day is the ability to travel to any place I like. Whatever ends up in my sketchbook is a catalyst for some story I didn't even know I wanted to tell until that very moment that the sketch appeared, or even better, a trigger for some memory I'd almost forgotten. Rediscovering that memory is often one of the best moments of all. So join me now as we take a little trip together through a series of stories inspired by sketching travel fun. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. A dream about camping. While I've written previously that I'm not much of a fan when it comes to roughing it and camping in a tent, I do love nature, so I think I might just enjoy it if the experience came with an Airstream trailer. I've never even been inside one of these, but I think they look amazingly cool. A metallic capsule to not only protect you from the elements, but also add a lovely reflection of the nature all around you. When I was a kid, the only camping that happened was during fishing trips with my grandparents. They had a camper with a proper bed, and my cousin and I had to sleep just outside in a tent on the ground. Though it was fun when I was young, I realized precisely why they no longer slept in a tent as they got older. It simply wasn't fun anymore, and all of the allure was quickly replaced with a startling realization of everything that was missing. So I think I might just feel differently about camping if I had a cool silver bullet to hang out in when I was done enjoying nature. I'm not sure if this will ever actually happen, but it's fun to imagine at least. I often imagine myself doing things or owning things that will probably never manifest themselves in real life. For a time, I was obsessed with tiny houses and thought it would be wildly interesting to live in one after watching a show on the subject. In the show, they made it all seem perfectly wonderful, quaint, and even fun. When Philippe and I visit Paris, we end up living in a small apartment during the time, and it's rarely more than 400 square feet. So I thought it would probably work out just fine. But a fun treat while traveling is probably not the same when having to endure it in everyday life. In regular life, Philippe would prefer it if our kitchen were that size. Then I discovered that they had tiny houses on wheels, which would be even more amazing. To have all of the comforts of home still in place with only the scenery around you changing would be absolutely fantastic. Of course, those comforts would be a fraction of the size that most people typically enjoy, since the entire home itself is still smaller than an elephant. In the end, these whims fade and are replaced with new ones. In fact, most of the time, Philippe simply nods in agreement, knowing it's perfectly safe to do so as time itself will heal the crazy and eventually I won't bring it up again. But I do love the idea of being able to leave home without leaving my home behind. As much as I adore travel, being away from my routine comforts and my little dog Phineas can make me homesick. 
I think it's a good sign though when you actually love being in your home. Were I constantly wanting to escape it, that would probably be a sure signal it's time to move somewhere else. Indeed, I love our little nest and am quite happy simply being there and enjoying our daily rituals. My imagination takes me to places all the time, so it's not like I'm never traveling. It's a cheaper form of travel to be sure, but one that I still enjoy. Thinking about what it might be like to do something while relaxing in my favorite chair, near my favorite person, drinking a bit of tea out of my favorite mug. Happy and content to be exactly where I am in the moment, where everything is just as it should be, while I simply enjoy a dream about camping. The Joys of Airline Food With a prompt of airplane once, my mind drifted to the food you often find on long flights. Philippe and I travel to France to visit family and are served dinner within a couple hours after takeoff. You usually have a choice of the main course, so we opt for vegetarian or chicken, since it seems the safest. Then you get a bunch of bonus items to complete your meal. Every little bit is wrapped, so it's like unwrapping little gifts. Granted, the gifts you receive are often unrecognizable, but part of the fun is trying to figure out what you've actually been served. That little bit of dessert could be chocolate or something with berries or a blend of both which defies description. Those bits of vegetables must certainly be carrots, but it's anyone's guess as to what the other bits surrounding it might actually be and tasting it doesn't always answer the question. It reminds me of a school lunch as a kid, so I find it rather wonderful experience. The food is rarely fantastic, and some of it is slightly above edible since we can only afford economy seating, but it's such a wonderfully mysterious experience that I find it all quite intriguing and fun. I worked with another creative director once from England who often made the commute across the pond. He told me that when crossing the pond, you should simply have some water and go directly to sleep, skipping the meal entirely if you want to get on the correct schedule and feel good when you land. I know this is probably very sensible advice, but I love having my little weird meal and maybe even watching a movie afterwards. In truth, I can't really sleep on planes. It's far too upright and rigid, and since I'm not a horse, it's simply makes no sense to me. While traveling to France, I'm usually on the second movie before I doze off briefly out of sheer exhaustion, only to be awoken by the breakfast cart minutes later. By the time we land, I'm only being kept alive by hope and curiosity and feel like I'm simply sleepwalking. It was in this very state years ago that I met Philippe's mother for the first time, who decided to meet us at the airport. I can't possibly think I made a good first impression, but since I was far too catatonic to remember any of it, clearly, I'll just assume I did. I simply can't pass up that hot mess of a meal when I travel. For me, it's all part of the experience and makes a rather long flight so much more enjoyable. Sitting still is not really my strong suit, which is why most of my doodle washes are completed in less than 40 minutes, about the length of a show without commercials. I'm then ready to move on to other little things and continue my incessant dabbling until it all finally exhausts me and I fall asleep. This is pretty much how I spend each and every day, so truly, a trip to Paris is rather just par for the course. 
And though I can find myself suddenly exhausted at the most inopportune moments, like meeting my future mother-in-law, it never stops me from forging ahead with giddy curiosity. I often feel like that little kid the night before Christmas each and every day. There are so many new things to do and discover. If you look around and notice things properly, it's impossible to ever be truly bored. So while some may find this type of cuisine alarming, I'll always have a soft spot for the joys of airline food. Breakfast with a toucan. Though I've now seen a toucan at a zoo and find them delightfully unusual, when I was growing up, the only appearance came on a cereal box. The cereal box was not actually a toucan at all, but a cartoon version named Toucan Sam emblazoned on the side of Fruit Loop cereal. Sam had the uncanny ability to actually smell the cereal from great distances and would often quip in commercials, follow your nose, it always knows. And when feeling super joyous, follow it up with the flavor of fruit wherever it grows. I'm not even sure any actual fruits were harmed in the making of this cereal, which I totally adored as a kid, but I was more more disappointed by my apparent lack of superior olfactory skills. The cereal didn't smell much like anything at all and barely had any discernible odor, save a chalky and only slightly fruity smell that felt more imagined than actually experienced. But I didn't really mind that at all, and today I still have a fondness for toucans. I think my love of all animals was born in my youth with all of those cereal boxes. There were all sorts of wonderful mascots to greet me me each morning. It was like taking a trip to an absurdist zoo where every animal has been painted with a rainbow each and every day. I also loved Applejack cereal, but this one struggled to define a true mascot. It had everything from cartoon dogs to weird dolls made of actual apples um, to strangely drawn children uh, to eventually just an over-medicated apple and creepy cinnamon stick in a stocking cap. Some characters were almost human like Snap, Crackle, and Pop, but I loved the animals most. So I would opt for sugar smacks with the cute little frog and rare truth in advertising as well as Tony the Tiger. Today you'll find the former renamed to an apparently more socially acceptable honey smacks, but it was the latter that was usually my favorite simply because it was also my dad's favorite. Even while trying to find my own place and create my own path, it was still pretty cool to be just like your dad. And though I fully realize I've gone off on a tangent here and I'm not talking at all about travel, in many ways I still am. As a kid, travel was either a long road trip in a car with my parents or simply wherever I let my imagination take me. I never felt like I was stuck at home or in a rut when I was a kid. It was simply impossible to ever be bored with so many things to explore in my own backyard. Sure, once we've achieved adulthood, we've already experienced many of those things and seek new newer, more exotic things to quell our attention. But I've found that when I approach every day and even mundane things like I did when I was a kid, I can still find something to fascinate me. As we all grew up, our backyards grew smaller, but our imaginations didn't at all. 
That is, if we allow our minds to approach the world more naturally. Adults have an irritating habit of trying to understand or judge everything before attempting to simply enjoy it. This is a real buzzkill for me, so I prefer to live in a world where it's still entirely possible and always thrillingly fun to have breakfast with a toucan. The Wisdom of Alpacas There's just something adorable and sweet about alpacas. Although alpacas may or may not seem exotic depending on where you're located, I only get to see them on farms and zoos, so they're quite exotic to me. They have an adorable face, and I'm told they are quite curious and sweet animals. You won't find any alpacas in the wild, as this breed has been domesticated for over 6,000 years now. They're shorn once a year for their prized, soft, and wondrous fleece that's naturally water-repellent, flame-resistant, and available in 22 different colors and over 30 varying shades. So alpacas are just really, really cool. Yeah, they do spit a bit like their camelid kin, but it's much more rare and only when in true distress. Basically the same truly bad situations where spitting would seem entirely appropriate to any creature really. Their docile and social nature makes alpacas rather intriguing role models. They stay true to their friends and remember them even after years of being apart. So I've always had a soft spot in my heart for alpacas. What I constantly see in animals are traits that are not only sweet, but rather admirable. Sure, I don't want to be exactly like an alpaca, as they also poop in the exact same spot as a group, but I do have to admire their sense of community. Perhaps the most intriguing fact about alpacas is that they don't ever want to be truly alone. In fact, if separated from their tribe and left in isolation, they will often grow ill and even die of loneliness. As an introvert who tends to avoid crowds, I can still appreciate that feeling of needing to be loved. Not just by anyone who happens to be around me, but by my own tribe and family. The group of people who know everything about me and love me both because of it and in spite of it all. No wonder an alpaca would grow ill without that feeling. It's the very force that keeps us all alive each and every day. While I do often like to be alone, I can't imagine a world where I might ever feel lonely. Just having a husband and a dog in my life is more than enough to make life wonderful. But having friends and family is what makes life truly amazing. As I journey through wildly different topics while sketching stuff each and every day, I'm always learning new things. Not simply about the subject matter I've chosen, but about myself and what makes me tick. And though I'll continue to poop in private, thank you very much, I love being reminded by an alpaca that I should reach out to those old friends I've lost touch with over the years. Following these prompts each and every day for me is much more than continuing a daily art habit. It's a chance to stop and reflect on something I might not have stopped to contemplate. That's why I adore painting with prompts each day. Each one inspires a new bit of thinking and a new story. 
I never feel limited as I can happily interpret them in any way I like, or like most days, simply let the idea wash over me and wait to see what appears on paper. Little bits of life that taken singularly are nothing more than an exercise in sketching, but when folded together, create a patchwork of wonderful memories. Whether it's a trip back to childhood while painting a favorite toy, or simply pausing a moment to appreciate the wisdom of alpacas. The View from the Top During previous challenges, I've included prompts of lighthouses, but had personally always opted for a close-up of the interior and never actually painted a proper one. So once I just had to finally paint a lighthouse from a much higher vantage point. Lighthouses are fascinating structures, and the reason I love the interior is because the cozy cramped spaces in the cool spiral staircase inside. Though I'm not a fan of towering heights and usually get a bit squeamish, I'm equally enthralled by them. As a kid, I always wanted a proper attic that I could use as a bedroom. Our split-level house didn't come with such a thing, so it only stayed a dream of mine. I took this dream into high school and even wrote a poem about an attic for a literary magazine. I can't remember if the poem was any good at all, but I still remember that love of attic spaces. So it's no wonder that a lighthouse, which is almost entirely attic space, would hold my interest, even though I have never actually been inside one. One of the things I enjoy about sketching stuff and writing each day is the ability to explore things I can't see from my kitchen counter. It's a bit of a virtual travel that also takes me traveling back in time to precious memories. As a writer, I'm not a good travel sketcher. I prefer to soak up the scene mentally, often focusing on nearby conversations and other bits of interest that I might miss if my goal were only to focus on the visual. Though this is fine, one would assume I would at least jot down notes in a journal, but even that escapes me in the moment. I get so lost in a new place that I can barely focus on any one aspect at all. Thankfully, I journal on doodlewash.com each and every day, so whatever events, thoughts, or feelings happen are captured soon enough. For me, this works out just fine, and though I'm not actually traveling at that moment, it's a blast to journey to new places via Little Doodle Wash. I've never been on a lighthouse tour, but in a sketch, I can imagine being a bird and soaring over the top, something I'm rather sure they don't offer on the official tour. For me, my posts are always all about travel, whether I'm visiting family in Paris or simply sailing back through time to relive a childhood moment. I believe that imagination itself is a form of travel. It's far less stressful and doesn't require train tickets and waiting in a horribly long queue. Unless that's what you're imagining, of course. Many times I find myself feeling like I'm stuck in a routine with no trips planned on the calendar and I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut. During these moments, I always have to stop and remind myself that travel is only an imagined thought away. I can go absolutely anywhere I like if I just stop and take the time to dream about it. And when I reach for my pen and paintbrush, I can make that place appear on paper. Then I can simply let my mind wander through whatever just appeared there and visit my own creation. 
And though I've been to several different countries and experienced amazing sights and sounds, I'm equally enthralled by where my daily sketches can transport me. When you let your imagination take you where it wants to go, you'll always have the pleasure of experiencing the view from the top. Riding around on toy trains. Though I adore travel today, those silver bullets that sailed through Europe these days aren't what I remember from my childhood. Back then I had several toy trains that were incredibly intricate and cool with a little bell on top. Some even made sounds which made things even more awesome. This started a lifelong fascination with trains and as an adult makes me whimsical for those old-fashioned toy versions of my youth. Granted, these were trains pimped out in extra colors that were always a touch brighter than anything that exists on actual trains. There was just something magical about these old steam trains. There just seemed to be so many extra parts and adornments that were completely unnecessary in function but made the whole contraption feel very high-tech for the time. Even when I'm inside those more streamlined trains of today, I like to imagine that somewhere way at the front there's a little car like this making it all happen. This is not what's actually happening, of course, but it's way more fun to live life with a bit of imagination. Back in the late 90s, I read an article about a new children's book about wizards who traveled by train to go to school. That was all I had to hear to pick up a copy and give it a read. Though being in my late 20s, I was far too old for the target market. There was this little kid named Harry Potter, who was a bit different from his family and, well, rather geeky. I felt an immediate connection with him and adored the book, which read more like my beloved Roald Dahl books that I loved as a kid. I had no idea at the time it would end up becoming a classic, or indeed a worldwide phenomenon, but looking back I'm not surprised. Traveling by train aside, it was just stellar storytelling, complete with all the imaginative backstory and substance that truly good fiction brings with it. Like all great stories, the subject matter and scenery were simply a backdrop to tell a more effective and exciting coming-of-age tale. I rather like that I read it as an adult, because I could then enjoy the fact that it really wasn't about magic at all, at least not the kind reserved for wizards. Instead, it was mostly about that everyday kind of magic that all of us can enjoy if we stop thinking so much and just let our true feelings guide us. It's now been over 20 years since I read that first book, and I went on to read every other one as soon as it was released up until the last one, 12 years ago this summer. The books got much thicker as they went on, and even more geared for an older audience. It was a fun experience to get to grow up all over again with those stories, and it leaves me longing for a childhood where I got to ride to school by a magical train rather than a yellow school bus. Stories have always provided my favorite form of travel. I love jumping into a new land and discovering what awaits me there. There's much we can learn from facts, but sometimes there's even more wisdom to be found in fiction. In truth, it's a blurry line indeed, as all good stories come with truths that make them matter to us all. 
Most of my own stories are based on fact, but my memory isn't perfect, so I'm sure I must be filling things in with a bit of imagination. But the wonderful thing is it doesn't really matter. What I can assure you, dear listener, is that all of my stories are based in truth, and that in the end, it's all a story should ever strive for. My own truths are born out of my heart, soul, and imagination. To this day, I'm still riding around on toy trains. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Bye.